You're listening to a message from Pastor Jack Holt at the River. Tonight I'm going to talk about some aspects that deal with how to, be, how to get free from things that are trying to control you. There's a particular verse in Timothy, it's in 1 Timothy, and Paul says this concerning some people he was dealing with. He said he needs to go to them with humility and, and correct them. But he said this, he said that perhaps God then would give them repentance so that they might know the truth. And that tells me several things. Number one, the repentance he's talking about there is changing their mind. And it results in knowing the truth. And how many know that if you continue in knowing the truth, the truth will set you free? So he's talking about a belief system that's wrong. And he says, because if you don't, these people, it says, their senses, they'll be caught by their senses and they'll get in trouble. But, but God, Paul wanted them to be spared from the snare of the devil in which they become captive to Satan's will. A lot of Christians are captive to Satan's will simply because they have a belief system that is in their life that is holding God's will from back from operating in their life. I want to show you tonight the power of the name of Jesus and show you how uh, we can break free from things that are trying to control us, whether it be finances, whether it be our fears, our regrets, our shame, uh, whatever it is that is hitting you that the devil uses, how to get free from that by the mighty name of Jesus. Are you ready? So look here, if you would, in the book of Acts chapter 3, and we'll go through this whole thing here. It says, now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, and asked alms for those who were in it in the temple. Who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. And then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the, by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. So, the, so he, leaping up, stood, walked, entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Hallelujah. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Now, I know that most of us know this story, but I want to show you something about here that, that is really powerful. When you talk to Christians about the name of Jesus, most Christians have little faith in the name of Jesus. And what I mean by that is the name of Jesus to them is maybe something that they use in their prayer life, kind of something that is polite. You pray in the name of Jesus. But when the apostles and the disciples of Jesus used the name of Jesus, it was far from that. In fact, you might make a note of this, that you never find in the four Gospels the disciples or the apostles ever praying for anybody. They didn't need to pray to the Father because they had the Father in Jesus. Amen? And when they went around and they delivered people, because Jesus said he gave them authority over every unclean spirit, evil spirit, and so forth, he even gave them authority to raise the dead. They went around, and they didn't pray. They went around and said, in Jesus' name, demon, come out. 
In Jesus' name, sickness leave. That's what they did for three and a half years. But if you remember in the book of Philippians, it says that Jesus' name was exalted to Christ Jesus, Lord of Lords, in the resurrection. And that's why Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. At that point, the name of Jesus was more, had more authority than it did previously where there was authority that you could receive the Holy Spirit. There was authority that you could get the new birth. There was authority that you could be raised up in Christ Jesus. There was an authority in the name at that level. That's the level that Peter and John are ministering at in the story. And I'm going to show this to you in Scripture very radically, but the reason why I'm preaching this is because many times we settle for far less than what God's will is in our lives. And whenever you settle for something far less than God's will, what happens is you become bound by what you've settled in. Whether settling for a mediocre marriage, settling for a mediocre vision, settling for this or whatever, you become limited in what you can do based on that. But this story is so unique because here's a man that is at the temple day after day asking for alms. He's expecting to get support because they don't have welfare. And people would naturally help. It wasn't a drug addiction like we have in the day that we have in today. So people would help. And that's what he was expecting. He wasn't expecting to get up and walk for the first time in his life. He hadn't become crippled. He was born crippled. And yet, this is the example that God uses concerning the name of Jesus that got many people saved that day, and we'll get through it how they got saved. But in this story, after he's raised up, Peter begins to minister to the people and tell them how this happened. They're wondering, what in the world's happened? We've seen this guy. He's been crippled. He hasn't been able to do this. How in the world did he get healed and delivered how did this happen jesus has been crucified and so forth and he says in the 16th verse he says this he says in his name and through faith in his name this man has been made strong say it with me he was made strong through the faith of the name of jesus now i want you to see this he didn't say he was healed just because you said jesus he said that this man was healed because he had, or they had faith in the name of Jesus. Faith in the name. A lot of people, like I say, they have little faith in Jesus' name, so they get little results. But these apostles and these disciples of the Lord had exercised faith in the name of Jesus for three and a half years. Now Jesus had been raised up, and the, the faith they had in the name of Jesus was skyrocketing it was skyrocketing and i want to ask this question too how much faith do you have in the name of jesus well i have enough faith pastor i believe that through that name you can get saved but do you have enough faith in that name that you believe you can be healed of disease do you have enough faith in that name you can believe that your finances will be met abundantly above what you can think or imagine i think it's a good question to evaluate ourselves to and say to ourselves maybe maybe the bar of my expectation 
is too low. Maybe what I need to do is develop my faith in the name of Jesus so that the devil will keep stealing from me, so the devil will keep taking things from me and begin to believe in the name of Jesus to the measure that was resurrected, to the measure that set people free, to the measure that seated Christ in heavenly places far above all principalities, powers, dominion, and might. Maybe we should elevate it to that level. Now, people oftentimes, they'll say things like this, well, these were the apostles, that's why they had this kind of a level of authority with the name of Jesus. I'm going to show you tonight that that's not true, that they didn't raise this man up because they walked in the, the position of an apostle or walked in the position of a prophet. They rose him up purely by having faith in the name of Jesus. John 14, 12 says this, Jesus said this. He said, truly I say unto you that whosoever believeth on me shall do the works that I have done, and even greater works shall he do because I go to the Father. Now notice, notice what it says. Truly I say unto you, he's talking to the apostles, whoever believes in me shall do the same works that I have done. Now, people, they'll say, well, he, that, you know, that he was speaking to the apostles. Wait a minute. He said the condition was that you would believe in me. I don't know about you. I believed in Jesus. That's how I got saved. You believed in Jesus. You got saved. So it obviously isn't the office of the apostle that gave him the authority that he needed to raise this guy up that was crippled from birth it was faith in the name of Jesus. Amen. See, it's like money. Money works with a billionaire as well as works with the Pope, as well as it works with a landscaper, as well as works with the mailman. Money works for everybody, same currency. The faith that you have is the same faith that Peter had, the same faith that Paul had, the same faith that Isaiah had, the same faith that the prophets had. It's the same identical faith. The question is, are we developing faith in the name of Jesus, or are we just using it to baptize people in the name of Jesus and get people saved? The name is above everything. Amen. I said above everything. And what I like about that text in John 14, 12, is then he says, and... And as a conjunction, it ties it together. And whatever you ask in my name, I will do for you. Think about that. And uh, I don't know the Greek scholar, but there was a Greek scholar that took the words do for you. And it actually means that if you don't have it, I'll create it. Now, that's pretty exciting. You know why? Because if you need a creative miracle, the name of Jesus can create a creative miracle. If you need something created that hasn't been created for your problem, Jesus' name has the authority and power to bring that to pass in your life and bring forth the blessing in your life. Amen? If you need something invented, hallelujah, Jesus. The name of Jesus can launch you out into that and bring the blessing in your life in a great way. Now, let's start from the, the end of that miracle, and I'll just go through it verse by verse with you to the end of the chapter. 
because it all ties into the name of Jesus. It says that after this miracle, it said that the man that was healed was clinging to Peter and John. And the people were running on the porch called Solomon. They saw this miracle. They knew this man. And he is being, you know, he's healed. He's running around. And it says that Peter saw them coming, and he said, Men of Israel, why are you amazed? Why do you intently look at us as if our power and our authority has given this man the power to walk? Now, what is he doing? He's taking the what looks like they just somehow did it. And he's putting it all back on Jesus. It's not because I'm holy. Not because we live right. It happens. It's not because we're in church every time the doors are open. It's not because we give more than someone else. He's saying, no, 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 no. It wasn't for any of those reasons this man was raised up. And then he makes this statement. He says, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the God of our fathers has glorified Jesus, this servant. Hallelujah. In other words, he's saying it's because Jesus was raised from the dead. It's faith in what happened that has raised this individual from the dead and has caused him to walk when he should have been lame. It's powerful. And then in that statement, when he says that he's glorified Jesus and so forth, then it's like all of a sudden, Peter just turns into this evangelist. And he says, and you were the ones that denied him before Pontius Pilate, who was determined to let him go. <laughs> and he says, you exchanged a murderer for Jesus. You let them take Jesus instead of letting Jesus be pardoned. You exchange them for a murderer. That's getting pretty heavy. You can imagine Peter preaching this without a microphone, with all these people, but the miracle's right before them. It's, it's right before them, this miracle. But what I love is in the text, he's saying, listen, this is what you did. You denied the Lord. You denied him. You denied him. And he, here's what's powerful about this. Then he says this, and in him, or in his name, this man, this, or it says, in, in his name, through faith in his name, this man has been strengthened, whom you see and you know, you know this dude. And then he says, and, and, it, and, and, it, and it, yes, it came from faith from him, talking about Jesus. And he gave him, the crippled man, power and, 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 and brought him into, it says, perfect soundness. Hallelujah, Jesus. Now, here's the power in this I want you to see. This all works around the name of Jesus. And what I love about the story is that he says, listen, I know you guys are ignorant of this, but it's the times of refreshing. 
I want you to repent for the times of refreshing come from the face of the, face of the Lord. And he says, heaven is going to receive Jesus until the restoration of all things happens. In other words, you're going to see more of the same because Jesus is seated in heavenly places right now and his power is going to start bringing restoration to the community, restoration to the crippled, restoration to the blind, restoration to the sick. And you can imagine all the people saying, what in the world is this? It's the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. It's faith in the name of Jesus. Wow. Now, my question to you is, I don't want to be religious. One of the things I hate about religion is, especially in politics, do you ever notice in politics they never pray and say in the name of Jesus? Instead, they go, oh, Heavenly Father, God, we thank you, whatever. They don't mention Jesus because as soon as you mention Jesus, you get the Jews mad. As soon as you mention Jesus, you get all these other people mad. But I'm telling you, God raised Jesus from the dead, and his name is powerful, able to set us free, able to leave, deliver demons in your life, mad. And we are to do everything in that name. In that name, in that name, love your wife. In that name, cast out devils. In that name, bind spirits. In that name, declare what God's word says. In that name. And it releases the power of God where God can begin to break free all the things in your life that are binding you, that are holding you back from what God has for you. Now, here's the key to this. I want to show you what precedes the miraculous. I don't want to just show you the miraculous. I want to show you what precedes it. What is it that comes before someone is born again? What is it that comes before someone experiences physical healing in their body through divine healing? What is it that comes before? What is it that precedes all the miraculous things that we see by the name of Jesus. What is it? Well, if you look in Romans chapter 10, it says this, that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, now watch this, we shall be saved. You don't just confess Jesus is Lord. You've got to believe, you've got to confess that he rose from the dead. And then he says, with the hard man believes on his salvation, and then watch this, with the mouth, salvation, or with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. In other words, a person doesn't get saved first and then confess. It's because of what they confessed, <clears throat> they got saved. It's, it's not you get healed first and then confess and say, I'm healed. No, there's a verbal expression of faith first before you see the miraculous in your life. It always precedes it. It's never before it. Well, I, I believe that God has touched me if I feel something first. No, it comes, it's voice activated. 
Salvation is voice activated. Healing is voice activated. Blessings are voice activated. The voice activated. The voice activated. Even though that's talking specifically about salvation, listen to me carefully. It's not enough to get saved. We've got to be saved from the things in the world we live in. We can't get just be saved from sin. We've got to be saved from the things in this world. And it works the exact same way. Now, let, let me... Let me tell you that this is no different than what Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty three, And I want you to listen carefully to what I'm saying. And you know, I preach these things, but sometimes people just kind of shut me off, and they're not listening. Jesus said this, he said, Whosoever says unto this mountain, say this mountain. He didn't just say, whosoever just say to the mountain. He said, this mountain. Why? Because he's talking about the kind of faith that God uses, the kind of faith that a believer has. This kind of faith has to be specific. It can't be general. It's got to be specific. He said, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea. Now watch this. And does not doubt in his heart but believes the things that he says will happen. Did you get that? Believes the things that he says will happen. He will receive whatever he says. <clears throat> Thank you for that weak applause in Jesus' name. He said, what's so exciting about that? I'll tell you exactly what's so exciting about it. Here's what's exciting about it. Most Christians, if you were to ask them, can you change your life by what you say? They'll say maybe a little bit, but not a whole lot. My scriptures, Jesus says, the faith we have is the kind of faith that you change your family by what you say. You change your future by what you say. You change your, your health by what you say. In other words, it's all geared by what you say. And if you believe what you say, you will receive what you say. Hallelujah. <clears throat> so, you don't want to go around saying... This marriage is not going to get any better. You don't want to go around saying, I never will make any more money than I'm making right now. You don't want to go around saying, uh, my wife will never understand me any more than she does right now. Because you have that kind of faith. But pastor, I don't know. I, I really think that the miracles and things you talk about came from the apostles because they had a special calling, a special election, you know, in their purpose. And, and I'm not that. I'm, I'm just an ordinary individual doing my thing. Did you know in the Bible it was an ordinary disciple by the name of Stephen who was full of faith and power, whose signs and wonders fell? He was a deacon. Did you know Cornelius, who filled the Paul with the Holy Spirit and healed him of his blindness, was a disciple of the Lord? 
You know why? Because it has nothing to do with the office. It has everything to do with the, with the, with the faith. And we have the same faith that Peter had, the same faith that John had, same faith, come on, same faith, same faith, same faith, same faith. Second Corinthians 4.13 says, having the same faith. Here's Paul speaking to the Corinthians. They are wild people having the same faith. As it is written, we believe, therefore we spoke. Having the same faith, the Paul, oh, glory to God, Paul who did miracles in the name of Jesus, having the same faith, be like Santa, and I'm going, hey, we're having the same faith. That means all of us got the same faith if you're a believer in Christ. And how does this faith work? It works by believing in your heart and saying it with your mouth. And if you don't doubt what you say that you believe in, you will have whatever you say. If the whatever is a house, it's a house. If the whatever is a car, it's a car. If the whatever, come on, it's whatever, it's whatever, it's whatever, it's whatever. Now, here's the problem I think a lot of us have is we don't really, even though we shout hallelujah, we don't believe in really how powerful what you say is, but it really is. All of us are controlled or dominated by the words that we say. And that's just a fact. We are dominated by the words we say. We're as far as we are in life based on what we said this year or last year. In other words, our life is controlled by what we say. So if you're not happy with your life, stop saying what you're saying and start saying something that you'll be happy with, praise God. Because whatever's in your heart that you believe and say, Jesus says that you will receive whatever you say. Well, I just throw it up there, praise God. But I really believe this is something that the church needs to embrace. And, and we need to be people that will say, all right, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm dominating my words. I'm dominating my words. Which means this. It means this. It means that in my life, where I am today came from yesterday, what I was saying. So what I need to do is not allow what I see, what I feel, what my natural mind is saying, and I need to focus in on the word and believe that word above all those things. Because here's what happens. You, in a service like this, you get all pumped up. Hallelujah, Jesus. I'm going to do this. And you start building the case from the scriptures, and you start declaring it. And then you get outside of church, and everything changes. All of a sudden, the circumstances don't change as fast as you want them to change. And you begin to waver, and all of a sudden, your confession of faith that was up here begins to go down here, and you begin to talk about how big the problem is rather than how big God is, and when you start talking about how big the problem is, your faith gets smaller and smaller and smaller, but if you want to talk about how big God is, your faith gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, so we got to start talking about how big God is, not how small or how big our problems are that we are all facing in our lives. And this is why there's three particular verses I like in the Bible that help you get through 
those times you're in the storm and the waves are hitting your face and you're feeling this and all these thoughts are coming in your mind and you're having a hard time dealing with the, what you're actually seeing, there's three verses in the Bible that will help you. Number one, give thanks in all things. Amen? Why? Because thanks is a form of praise. What is the other thing that you do? Count it all joy. You're releasing praise again. Hallelujah. What's the third thing you do? Offer up a sacrifice of praise. You don't feel like it, but you're going to do it. I'm going to praise God tonight. I'm going to raise my hands. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care whether I feel like it. I'm going to praise God. And here's what happens. The praise, then, as you raise it up, your faith will begin to go back up. There was a missionary, and I heard this years ago. She, uh, it was during a time during smallpox when they didn't have any vaccines, and and, and many people died from smallpox because of, there was no vaccine. And she was on the mission field. Anyway, she gets smallpox. So she's seeking the Lord. She's praying. And the Lord gives her this vision. And it's a vision of a scale. You ever see those scales on both sides? And on one side was all these prayer requests piled up. And the other side... Uh, what was praise and the scale was like this prayers are way down here or weighted down from the prayers and the praise was right here and the lord said to him he says increase your praise until it goes past your petitions and you'll get healed and she began to praise him and praise him and praise him and praise him and praise him. Then, bam, they got to that one level and the miracle came forth. She's healed and set free. Say amen. Praise God. You got to praise your way out of it. Woo. And, and because we're all going to be subject to the world that we live in and we're going to have doubt hit our mind and feelings and we're going to say, I don't feel like it's working. You know, I don't feel like God's hearing my prayers. I don't feel this. And if you're not careful as you're describing how the problem is, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Faith gets smaller and smaller. But you can counteract that by saying, well, we're just going to, I know it looks pretty bad, but I'm going to just praise God right now. Father, I'm just going to thank you that in everything I give thanks. Father, I'm going to count it all joy. The bigger the battle, greater the victory. And I'm going to praise you. You said you inhabit the praise of your people. You enthrone, you reign in it. So I'm going to just thank you right now, Lord. I'm healed from the bottom of my feet to the top of my head. My marriage is better from the bottom of my feet to the top of my head. My finances are coming through from the bottom of my feet to the top of my head. I'm overflowing with goodness and blessing. I'm blessed coming and going. I'm about ready to dance a jig right now because I'm going to shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph. Hallelujah. <laughs> But do you see how what we're releasing has that factor involved? And that's why, you know, I know a lot of churches, they, they don't worship that much anymore because it's not popular. It's more popular. Just let me hear the word and let me go home. I don't want to sing for half an hour. I don't sound that good anyway. But I'm not doing what you want. I'm doing what will make your faith work and a lack of praise will stop your prayers from working. But when you're praising God, it'll cause your praise to work. Woo! It'll make a difference. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to close with some truth here that if you get it, you'll change your life. It's just that simple. 
And I'm just going to kind of preach you some, some different things. How many know there's many, many signs and wonders you find in scriptures that sometimes those signs only happen once? Never see them again. Remember, signs and wonders operate out of God's sovereignty. And when God operates through any of the gifts of the Spirit, any of them, it's always God's sovereignty. He chooses when a vision comes. He chooses when the gift of faith to raise somebody out of a wheelchair happens. He chooses. He's the one that does all that. So we can't pray for it. It's something that he just sovereignly does. Amen? And in the Bible, some of the unique miracles that I see is the Ephesus revival. That was my favorite. Paul, in the morning, would be building tents. Now, I don't know if you ever did a study on the Apostle Paul, but the Apostle Paul was actually a very wealthy man. He was a, he was a high-bred Jew, if I could say it that way. He went to the Harvard of all Harvard school. In fact, his parents owned a business of making tents, which compared to today, it would be a business of building homes because people lived in tents rather than homes. And especially with the military, they had to put up these big tents for the crusades and all this. And Paul was filthy rich. That's why when he stood before that one governor, the governor said to him, he said, listen, Paul, he was trying to get a bribe out of Paul that Paul would pay him some money to let him off the hook. But Paul would never do that. And that's why you remember when he was thrown in the jail and he came out and the jailer was going to kill himself anyway. He could save the whole household. And then he demanded that the people that put him in jail come and apologize to him. Why? Because he was a Roman citizen. A Roman citizen, if you did that to a Roman citizen, they could kill you over it. He was a wealthy Jew. He, he was a Roman citizen on, to top it all off. Hallelujah. Praise God. I don't know why I'm telling you this. But what I want you to see from this power is Paul then was in this thing where the supernatural was operating in his life. In the emphasis revival, he was making tents in the morning put his apron on and whatever, and he was doing that. And they were taking his aprons and the sweatbands, laying it on demon-possessed people. Demons came out and uh, laid on the sick. They got healed. Now, you don't find that anywhere else in the Bible where a tool belt heals the sick. Amen. I know we got prayer cloths, but you don't see the tool belt only time. And then another personal favorite of mine is when Annas and Sapphira, so remember they, they get killed because they lied to the Holy Ghost. And you remember Peter then walked through the streets of the villages. Now watch this. In his shadow, if it came over someone that was sick, they were instantly healed. I don't know if you thought about that for a minute. It wouldn't work in Washington because it's hardly ever sunny out. <laughs> so that means the healing power that was operating in Peter only operated during the day 
when there was no clouds out, if it was cloudy in the morning and raining, there was no healing going on. We'd have to say, Lord, please send the, because there's no clouds, you know, there's no shadow yet, because they didn't have street lights. And so the healing occurred only when the sun was shining, only during the day, and you had to get in a shadow to get healed. And that's the only time. Jesus never even ministered that way. This is the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. I know Jesus had a spitting ministry. I'm glad that I don't. But he only healed one person one time, we know from Scripture, by spitting in some mud and putting it in his eyes. One time. That's the gifts of the Spirit. They operate as the Spirit wills. And they're called signs and wonders. So when you see this wonder, you're going, what's going on here? And the wondering opens you up to the gospel. That's what it's for. But a sign, like we got signs that point to Seattle. And the sign is designed to point you to something. Point you to something. God never wanted us to live off signs and wonders. The sign points to his will. I said it points to his will. Once you know his will, your faith can receive it. James didn't say, listen, guys, we're going to have a healing ministry. It's going to be a sunny day on Sunday. And we're going to ask Peter to come over here and hope that his shadow goes on you. He didn't do that. You know what James said, who's a half-brother of Jesus? He says, here's what we're going to do, guys. The prayer of faith will save the sick. Just pray in faith, and God will raise you up. And if you committed any sins, they will be forgiven. Say amen, praise God. In other words, the sign that the early church saw on these different miracles pointed to the fact that it was God's will to heal you. It pointed to the fact that it was God's will to save you. Let me give you another sign. Peter is up on the mount of, or the house of Joppa, has a vision. Said he fell into a trance. I don't know if it was an open vision, closed vision. He has a vision, sees this, this sheet with unclean animals on it, and he hears his voice, take and eat. And Peter's so religious, he only, he only eats Jewish food, whatever. And he says, no, Lord, I can't eat that. That's unclean. Anyway, it goes three times, and he realized the Lord's trying to communicate something. And, and the Lord said, what I've made clean is clean. And then he tells him to go with whoever's knocking at the door downstairs. Now, the, at Cornelius' house, before the guys came there, an angel appears to a guy that's not even born again. And says, God is uh, pleased with your offering of alms. And he wants you to send someone to Joppa to bring Peter. In other words, I want you to hear what Peter has to say. Here's Peter going to a Gentile's house because the gifts of the Spirit led them to it. He goes to, to, to uh, Cornelius' house and begins to preach. And he says, I perceive, finally, thick-headed Peter, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. How that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed of the devil. And as he was preaching, the Holy Spirit fell on them. They began to pray in the Spirit. They began to, come on, prophesy by the Holy Ghost. And Peter afterwards says, how can we deny these people to be water baptized? 
They received the same thing that we received. All came from the gifts of the Spirit. And what is it telling us? God wants to save every culture. He wants to save people in China. He wants to save people in North Korea. He wants to save people, whatever culture they are. The signs have already come. It is the will of God that all men be saved. It is the will of God that all men be forgiven. It is the will of God. Hallelujah, Jesus! that we be healthy, wealthy, and blessed. It is the will of God that he who has made sin or was made righteousness for... Oh, glory to God. I don't know what to say here. Do you see what I'm saying? The signs just point to the will of the Lord. And now we go to the Bible. We take out our Bibles and say, Lord wants to save you. I don't need to have a, a vision. He already confirmed it through his signs and wonders. It is God's will that everyone be safe. It's God's will that everyone be healed. It's God's will that everyone would prosper. It's God's will. So then what do we do? We use this faith that we have. And we declare the end in the beginning. We say to ourselves in the name of Jesus, I bind that spirit that's trying to wreck my marriage. And because I bound you, I will have what I say. Because God doesn't want any mountain in my life to put me down. He doesn't want any affliction in my life not to be overcome. It is God's will that we would win. It's God's will that we would prevail. And I'm going to use my faith. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to speak in faith. I'm going to start speaking life to what is dead. I'm going to start speaking joy to what there's no happiness. I'm going to start speaking vigor and, and excitement and strength. Glory to God. It's powerful. Thanks for listening today. For more messages like this one, check out our podcast, River App, and our website at theriver.church. We're the river, and we're doing life together.